It's the first Sunday of the new year, and I'm so thankful that you guys came out to worship with us. Last year was a tough year, wasn't it? But I tell you what, you know, it was a, even in the midst of such a tough year as last year, I don't know why I ended last year and I began this year so thankful. And when I really thought about it and prayed about it, I came to this one conclusion. And I don't say this because I'm your pastor, but I say this because it's true. I think I'm so thankful because what I'm thankful for the most is that I'm the pastor here at, at Full Life Ministry. You know, And I say that because, and my wife and I, we both feel that way. You know, and the reason why we feel that way is because you guys have embraced us, you guys have loved us, you know. But not only that, but it's obvious to me and it's obvious to us that you guys have opened up your hearts to us and you guys actually kind of listen to us a little bit, you know, which I'm so thankful for. And you want to go and you want to go towards God. But mostly, and that's that's like 10, 20%, but the other 80%, the reason why we're so thankful is because to me it's obvious that you guys have opened up your hearts to Christ. We see it. We feel it. We constantly hear stories about it. And can I tell you, there is nothing more exciting for a pastor than to pastor a place where we know God is actively working and he is here. And that's why we're thankful. That's why we love it. Thank you guys so much. And I can't wait to see what God has in store for us for 2021. Amen. It's awesome. So anyway, well, let's get to the message. Um, you know, today's not a conventional message. You know, if I'm very honest with you, I love just preaching passages. I love preaching verses. I don't like preaching topical, but today will be topical. And the reason why is because I, I think at the, at the beginning of every year, you should hear the direction of where our church is going to go at the beginning of the year. Don't you agree? And so, you know, I wanted to bring that to you today. Um, but because I feel like I still don't know FLM that well, you know, I came here during COVID and I think we just started meeting maybe in August or September and I feel like I don't really know the pulse of what's going on. I think I figured today instead of sharing a specific vision about 2021, which quite honestly I don't have, I thought I'd share with you what I really believe the church itself should look like and therefore the direction that our ministry should go towards. Okay, so that's what I want to share with you today. It's a little bit big, but um, that's what I want to share with you. And so uh, I'm, I'll be very frank with you. I have a lot of verses I'm going to throw at you. I even have points on slides. I never have points on slides. I'm going to have points on slides because we're going to go through some big picture stuff together. But I swear to you, hopefully it will be worth it. And the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more comprehensive about all that is because I want you to know exactly what our church is about. You know, we, we go to church and sometimes we don't know, wait, what's the goal? Hey, what are we actually striving to accomplish here? You know, we don't know. We just go to church because some of you grew up and you love it and that's great and that's awesome. But I believe that all of us should know exactly what our church is about. I want you to be clear as to what we will be about and what we won't be about. You know, our church won't do these things. Our church will do these things. And I think every member should know that. I want you to know the direction of our church. And hopefully, as you hear the direction of our church, you'll see your place in the direction of our church. I want you to know exactly what we and I will expect of you as a member of FLM. But more importantly, I want you to be clear as to what to expect of yourself if you commit yourself to this church. Okay, but most importantly, I hope you get excited about what God is going to do and hopefully, you know, will do this year and what we are going to try to do as a leadership team to make this the kind of church that God says that we should 
be. And as you hear all this, I hope two things will happen. First, I hope it challenges you to become a true follower of Christ. You're like, if you listen to this message, you're like, oh man, is that really what the church would be about? That's what I want to be. I want to give my life to that. Great, because that's what Christ wants from you. I want you to be a true follower of Jesus. And secondly, I hope you'll be convinced that what we're trying to do here is not only biblical, but it is so biblical and it is so what God wants that you're willing to invest your life behind it. And that's my goal. Okay? Cool? Are we cool? That's my intro. But before, it's my first intro. Here's my second intro. Before we actually get to all that stuff, I want to say this. We, as FLM, are not an extension of Full Gospel Church. We are, but what I mean by that statement, meaning that we are not an extension of Full Gospel Church, is this. You know, the culture that goes on in Sydney Full Gospel Church, the mother church, you know, their culture that, ha- that happens over there, that's actually um, appropriate for Korean-speaking immigrants. Do you know what I'm saying? So what I mean by, like, we're not an extension, what I'm saying is that whatever happens over there, those culture and values do not automatically transfer to FLM. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make sure that they don't, you know, because we're different. What goes on over there is, is perfect and good for Korean-speaking immigrants, but what goes on over here is specifically geared towards westernized people but with an Asian flavor. Okay, that's how, that's how I describe it, you know? And so there will always be a mix. I am Korean-American-Australian. You know, yes, I am Australian, you know? It, and all that, all that saying is, I'm absolutely confused about who I am. You know, I don't know where I fit in and what nationality I really am. But that's okay because you know what it does? It creates this opportunity for me to put my identity, define my true identity, not in my nationality, but in my faith. And that's what we want to do here. And I believe each one of you are in the same situation. You know, we are more defined by our faith. And I want us to be more defined by our faith than even our own nationality. I want, and so therefore, I want us, the culture that we grew up in, our Asian homes and our Western schooling and all that stuff, you know, we should be a blend of those things because that's, what, that's how we think and that's how we, you know, operate. And I, want, and I believe if that's who we are, then the gospel works best in that context. And so we are striving to build a context where the gospel speaks to that generation, to that culture and those values in a ways that elevates the gospel in Christ, right? Not the culture or the values. So uh, that's what we're going to be about. We will try and center all that we do on scripture and the character of God so that we can live out our true identity as God, as God's child. Secondly, before we begin, I want to say this. Maybe you never thought this, but... When you step through those doors and you come into this ministry, you are adults, okay? You are no longer children. That's it. That's the, that's the statement, you know? Nothing, will we, nothing that we do here is an extension of the children's program over at SFGC, okay? It doesn't matter if you're the son or daughter of someone else. We will not treat you like someone else's son or daughter. We will treat you as an adult. And my expectation is that uh, you will treat everybody else exactly the same way. What does it mean that you're an adult? To me, I'm going to assume from this point on that you take full responsibility of your faith and that you will take full responsibility of all your actions. That's what it means. You know, Family is awesome. And, and especially Asian families, they're awesome. And that's what makes our culture beautiful and powerful, right? every culture. But the moment you step in here, we will treat you 
as an adult, right? And I want you to operate as one, and I want you to treat other people in the exact same way. Do we understand that, what I'm saying? Maybe I didn't say that clearly, but forgive me. But you know what I'm trying to say, okay? Oh, so here we go. Let's begin, okay? We'll begin with the plan now. So what I'm about to share, I really want ingrained in all of you so deeply that I'm actually titling this message, The DNA of FLM. Okay, that's a huge, it's a lot to live up to. But it's that serious for me. This is what I'm all about, and this is what I believe the, ch- you know, the church is all about according to Scripture. So this is what I'm going to cover with you today. I'm going to cover the purpose of the church, the vision of the church, the goal of the church, and the plan of the church. And that's huge. Like, oh, man, what's the difference between those things? Very, very simple. The purpose, purpose is what you were created for. Okay? We're going to talk about that. Vision is what all of us are called to. The goal describes and defines the pathway to accomplishing the vision and the purpose. And the plan is the step-by-step process and how we're going to get there. Okay? Do you guys understand that? Is that cool? I'll go over all of that as we go over it. So, are you guys ready? Let's start with the purpose. What is the purpose of the church? What were we all created for? And the answer is the glory of God. That's it. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. What is this verse saying? It's saying the heavens, everything in heaven, continually declares the glory of God. That's all that they do all the time. That's what they did. That's it. Right? They continually proclaim it. Everything that God has created, from the heavens all the way down to the minute microbes that live on this earth, was created for the glory of God alone. That's it. You were created to give glory to God alone. That's it. That's the bottom line. You were created to give glory to God alone. You were created for that one thing and for that one thing alone. Okay, that's a huge statement, but that is probably the most important statement I'll ever make today. You were created for the glory of God alone, right? And that means that everything that we do in our lives, we seek to give glory in all that we do. This is our blueprint. This is our design. This is our purpose and nothing else. But the thing is that purpose got broken and lost in the Garden of Eden, didn't it? The moment that Eve took a bite of the fruit and Adam took a bite of the fruit, that that purpose got broken and lost. So what did God do? God sent Jesus Christ not only to reconcile us back to him, but to reconcile us back to our original eternal purpose, which was to give glory to God in all that we do. So Jesus plays actually a big part in giving glory to God. So, and so God says that because he sent his son to accomplish our reconciliation and our return to that purpose, God said his son is the one to be worshipped. What does that mean? God receives glory in our lives when we choose to worship Christ with all that we are. This is it, okay? Colossians 1, 16 to 20. It says, For in him, Christ, all things were created, things in heaven and earth, and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rules or authority. Here we go. All things have been created through him and what? For him. All things have been created for Christ. Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And here we go. And he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have what? The supremacy. In everything he might have the supremacy. That means our lives. That means the church. 
The whole goal, the whole, the whole purpose is so that Christ could have the supremacy within our lives and Christ could have the supremacy within our church. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, here we go again, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Here we go. So the pleasure and the glory of God gets accomplished when Christ has the supremacy in our lives in all that we do, meaning when we choose to conscientiously, intentionally, with all that we are in every area of our lives, seek to glorify God and to make Christ greater. That's when he receives all the glory. That's the goal, right? So everything that we do in our church will be for the glory of God and through the worship of Christ. Everything we do in this church will be for the glory of God through the worship of Christ. This will be our rhetoric. You know what I'm saying? This is what we will always be about. This is what you're going to hear a lot because this is our purpose. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God. 1 Corinthians 10.31, the one that we read at the beginning, says, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, here we go, do it all. All for the glory of God. The purpose of our lives and therefore the purpose of this church is to give glory to God in all that we do. And we'll do that by worshiping the Son with every part of our lives and with every part of our organization. Do you guys get that? That's the purpose. So if we understand that, if someone comes up to you and says, Hey, why should I go to church? Hey, you know, why should I become a Christian? Hey, why do you even get up in the morning? The answer is what? It's for the glory of God. I get up so I can live that day for the glory of God. I go to church so I can give God glory. I got saved because God deserves more glory. That's it. It's that simple. You know, I could talk about this forever, but the ultimate reason, this is something you need to realize, and I think sometimes we don't get it right. Why did Christ save you? Why did God send down his son so that you could become his child? Was it so that ultimately you could be saved? Was it ultimately so that you could be his child? Scripture says you were saved ultimately so that he could receive because so he could receive more glory. Your salvation is not about you. Church is not about us. But your salvation is about the glory of God. It is when we're his that he receive all the glory, which is the purpose of all things. Just like the church. We as a church need to get to the point where everything that we want to do and everything that we actually do is conscientiously and intentionally for the glory of God. That's what we need to be about because that's the purpose of the church. It is only when you truly embrace that purpose, when all things, in, you know, it's only when you truly embrace that purpose, that's when all things in scripture, all things in church, and all things about your faith actually start to make sense. You know, it's, it's so true. Um, when life is all about him, everything starts to make sense. When life is all about you, you will always be plagued with questions. That's last week's message, okay, that you can, you're going to review, right? So <laughs> That's last week's message. You know, when life is all about him, that's when eternal joy, hope, and peace can truly reign in our hearts. That's when Christ can actually have the supremacy. When your life is all about him. 
But when life is all about us, we will always be dissatisfied and in despair. That's last week's message again, right? I could talk about this forever, but we were created, we were saved for the glory of God alone. Our church exists for the glory of God alone. And the way we're going to do that is through the worship of Jesus Christ. Do you guys get that? True? Yes? Yes? Good? Good? Clear? Okay. So now that we know our purpose, what's the vision then? And once again, vision is what? What we're called to become. Okay, this is what we're going to try to be. The vision is what? To love God and to love others. Right? Where do we get that from? That's right. The greatest commandment. Okay? That's in Matthew 22, verses 37 to 39. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. To love your neighbor as yourself. So how are we going to give God all the glory within our church Well, the way we give God glory is by loving him with all that we are and by loving our neighbors as ourselves. So the question then is, what is love? What does that mean to love God with all that we have? What does it mean to love others as ourselves? Well, here's love. Love not only encompasses our affections, which is really important, but love directs all of our choices so that we can glorify him, right? And so that we can make choices for his pleasure and glory. Here's an example. You know John 3.16? We all know the John 3.16. I, I apologize. I don't have it up here. John 3.16 says what? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Right? For God so loved the world. Out of his affections for the world. For us. He what? He decided to do something for his glory. He decided to send his son and sacrifice his son so that we can be reconciled to him so that we can glorify him more. Affections that translate into actions. That's love. Affections that direct our actions to give him glory. That's love. That's biblical love. You guys, you guys get that? And that's what we need to be about. If we are going to be a church that loves God, then with every meeting, if you use a CG, whether it's a Sunday service, no matter what it is, we will always, always, Seek to affectionately connect with God. Okay? Because that's a huge part of love. We will always seek to affectionately connect with God so that who he is and what he's done for us through the gospel can now direct all of our lives and actions and the choices that we make in this world so that they can be for his glory. Do we we get that? Do you see how that, that stuff works together? And because, here we go, because we're a community of believers... It means that this vision can only be accomplished alongside our brothers and sisters. We cannot achieve this vision independently. Why? Because the love of God must be shared in order to be accomplished. It's a huge thing. I don't know how many times the New Testament says, make my joy complete. Make my love by complete. By what? By loving others. It's always there, right? It's, it's like littered and splattered all throughout 1 John and John, you know, you'll, you'll see it. You know, even in Peter, all that stuff, make my, or Paul, make my joy complete by loving others. An example of that, you know, is obviously through his son Jesus, Philippians 2, 1 to 5, and here it is. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, if you have any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, see, this is what Jesus did in us, this is what we experienced in Christ, 
Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, here we go, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, right? When we choose to love and serve each other, as Christ did for us, you know what happens? His joy becomes complete in us. Here, let me, okay, here we go. Let me just say this again. When we choose to love God with all that we have and serve each other as we do ourselves, when we choose to do that with one another at church, do you know what happens? What happens is that His joy becomes complete in us, which means that our affections for God and our affections for each other grow. I don't love my brother at church. I don't even know if I love God anymore. Well, here we go. Start practicing, and your affections will grow. You know, Start getting committed and really get yourself involved and seek after him and know and be confident that this is what you were created for, and your affections will grow. Your heart will change because this is how he designed us. And as a result, we're going to begin to start making choices. As our affections and our hearts change, we'll begin to make choices with the intention of increasing God's glory rather than benefiting ourselves. And that's the radical change, isn't it? That's what Jesus did. All of Scripture, all of Christ commands us to love God and to love others with all that we have. So the vision of our church is to do just that. But how are we going to do that? And this is where the goal comes in. The goal defines the path that accomplishes the vision. Okay, So what's the goal? The goal is to make disciples of Christ. And this is the great commission. Okay, Matthew 28, 19 to 20. It says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. Jesus said that the way we follow him and to live out scripture is by continuing the mission that he exemplified when he was here on earth, which is to make disciples. So the question is, what does it mean to make disciples? And here's the answer. Verse 19 and 20 says, making disciples means go, baptize, and teach. What is that saying to us? That means that we are to take the initiative to share the gospel and to bring the gospel to places that need Jesus and to people that need Jesus. We are to evangelize to them, and then when they do come to Christ, we are to build them to become a full-fledged, mature follower of Jesus. It's that simple. That's what we are called to do. Disciples who make disciples, uh, disciples us, who make disciples, the people that we're discipling, so that they will go on to make other disciples themselves. This is the plan. Go, share, teach, and send. So as a church, what, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make it our goal to develop mature disciples who will go on to make more disciples. This is it. Everything that we do is to make disciples who will go on to make more disciples disciples. Every meeting that we have from your CG to these to whatever it is, our, our Friday night prayers, every meeting that we have will involve discipleship, right? Um, from evangelizing to teaching, from sending to going, we will do everything in our power and our control to make disciples, people who will follow after Jesus. What does that mean practically? It means not only through our meetings, but through, of our, through our relationship, especially for me as a pastor to you, I will always challenge you 
to take the next step in your faith. That's my job. My job is to constantly challenge you to take the next step in your faith, to always challenge yourself to take a, the, you know, the next step to grow in Christ, to be like Jesus, to develop more disciples. That's what I will always do. That's my role. That's, I'm going to make that the role of our leaders because that's what we want you to do. That's what you're called to do. This is what you were created for, and we're not going to apologize for it. You know, it's the most uncomfortable thing to ask people to take steps into leadership or to take steps to become, you know, to get involved in a CG or things like that. But we do it not because we need you, but we do it because we know that God has a purpose for you and that God created you for that reason. And it's our responsibility as a church to make sure that you follow along that path. Do you guys understand that? We want to see God work in you like that. And that's why we invite you to do those things. So we're always going to challenge you to take another step in following after Jesus, whether it's in evangelism, helping someone come to Christ, your knowledge of Scripture, your teaching of Scripture, in your mentoring, in your discipleship, or even in your building up other people into maturity. We will always challenge you to be a disciple who will continue to make more disciples. Okay? That's going to be it. That'll be my more practical language that I use all the time. Are you a disciple who's going to, who are, are you making more disciples in your life? No? Well, let's get on board. You know, let's, uh, what can we do to make that happen, to help you do that? That's what we're trying to do. Why? Because this is what he commissions us to do, and that is why it is our goal. But if we are going to make that the goal of our church, then we as a church need to help you actually succeed in that goal. And that's where our plan comes in, okay? So our plan is the step-by-step journey that we'd like all of you to take in order to succeed in fulfilling this goal. And so what is the plan? The plan is to equip people for ministry. I mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again. Ephesians 4, 11 to 13 says this. Read this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Why? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Do you, do you see what this passage is saying? Why did Christ establish apostles? Why did Christ establish prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers? Why did Christ establish church leadership at all? It is so that we can what? Equip the people of God, which is you, to do the work of God. That's it. Right? Boom, boom, boom. And I hope your mindset completely changes. This is what I'm trying to challenge you to. So the pastor job, the pastor job, my job, is not to do all the work of the church and you guys just attend and enjoy it. That's not biblical. My job is to equip you to become ministers. Ministers who will live out the gospel, who will be used powerfully by God to change and transform the world out there and to each other. I'm stuck in here trying to train you, you know, train you. That's my job. But you guys are the ones that will transform the world. I need to train you and equip you to be transforming agents to this world. That's my job. You know, it's not to build this great organization so that you guys can come and enjoy all this stuff. That's good, but it's so that I can equip you and train you to be a minister, right? And a full-fledged worshiper, a full-fledged disciple who makes other disciples. And my job is to equip you for that, to have the right heart, to have the right tools, to have the right training, and to have the right vision, all for the glory of the right person. That's my job, okay? Why? Because verse 13 says, so that we can all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of Christ and become mature, attaining to the whole measure 
of the fullness of Christ. And what is that saying? It's saying that when we operate like this as a church, when you see my role as your pastor, as one who, that, who has to equip you, train you, and build you, so that you can actually become a minister of the gospel yourself, right? When you finally get that mentality and we start operating like that, when you finally embrace this identity as a minister of the kingdom rather just than an attendee or a member of an organization, right? That's, I don't want that second one. When you start seeing yourself as a minister of the kingdom that needs to be built and equipped, and I see myself as the equipper and builder, that's when this verse says what? We're going to experience what? We'll become unified in Christ, and that's when we attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You know what that means? It means that if we want to experience and attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ at FLM, then it is absolutely essential that some of us in this room change our mindsets completely as to what church is all about. You know what I'm saying? This is what I mean. Some of us still think that church is a place, you know, or some of us think of ourselves primarily as beneficiaries whenever we go come through these doors. I wonder what God's going to say to me today. You know, I wonder what God's going to give me today. I wonder if the praise is going to be good today. I wonder if the message is going to be good today. I wonder if the CG, if, you know, if it's going to be like really good today or what, you know, you know, it's always like what I'm going to get out of it. You know what I'm saying? Did you ever, did you ever ask that? You know, that's the, that's the biggest problem of the church today is people are coming through the door saying, hey, I wonder what I'm going to get out of it. And if I ain't going to get nothing, then why should I even go? But already, that's totally the wrong mentality. That's not what church was all about. That's not what God designed the church to be. Do you know what I'm saying? Don't get me wrong. As young believers, people need to be fed, right? Babies, you know, they only, they're only concerned with my next, their next meal. Who's going to change my diaper? You know, who's going to put me to sleep? And that's, that's good, and that's fine. So if you're a young Christian and you're coming to church for those reasons, that's great. But the thing is, I'm pretty convinced that a lot, a lot of us in this room are no longer babies in our faith. What does that mean? If we're no longer babies in our faith, demanding to get fed, then now we need to transform our mindsets to become what? The carers. I'm going to call it the ministers. So that we can now spend our lives loving, serving everybody else the way Jesus served us, right? So those who have been following Christ, if, if you haven't changed your mentality from being a baby to eating solid food, I need you to start eating solid food, meaning... I need you to start living out the life you were created for, to be a minister of the gospel. You need to adopt that. You need to change your mindset to be that and to embrace that. That's who we need you to be, a minister, right? Feeding, caring, and directing other people to God. Um, I really believe many of you are way past that baby stage. You need to embrace this calling as a minister. So this is, let me get this clear. Who is the minister of FLM? If anyone ever asks you that question, you better not say it's Eddie Bang. Do you understand? I am an admin guy. I do all the work to build and equip you. That's a, we call that an admin guy. You know, I'm the guy on the Excel sheets coordinating the training sessions and all that kind of stuff. That's me. But the real ministers of the gospel is you. So if anyone ever asks who's the minister of the church, you know what you should say? It's me. You know, it's awkward as that is, but that's the truth. That's what God says in the Bible. I'm going to share with you some verses that totally prove it, but you need to get your head around that. 
okay? My job is to support you, to pray for you, to equip you, to challenge you, to inspire, to correct you so that you can live your life to give glory to God by loving him and loving others through discipling people into maturity. That's my role. But your role is to be a minister of the gospel. So if you are going to make FLM your church, I am asking you today to make a sober decision never, ever to be an attendee. You know, don't ever be that guy. There are so many churches out there that probably want attendees. You can go there. But if you're going to walk into here, you cannot be an attendee. You know, you are here to become a worshiping, disciple-making disciple for Christ. You are here to become a minister for God. Why? Because that's what God created you for. That's what gives him glory. That's what unites us, not only to the heart of Christ, but to each other. You have to be convinced of it. It is only then that we will attain you know, the fullness of Christ within our church, which is what we want, okay? But you need to change that mindset of yours, okay, to become a minister. What that means is that we, will hear, we are here to equip you and to challenge you to, continue to, take, to continually take further steps for God and to actually live your life for his glory. Here, here we go. So if that's what you really want for your life, if that's what you want for your faith, if that's what you want from your church, then you're going to love it here. Because that's what I'm constantly going to push us towards. But if that's not what you really want for your life or your faith or for your church, you're eventually not going to like it here. Okay? And that's okay. And maybe FLM is not the place where you're supposed to be. And that's okay. You know? But this is the direction that we are choosing to take. Because I really believe this is what, not only what I'm all about, but I believe this is what the Bible is all about. About. And I believe this is what speaks to our westernized slash Asian culture today, you know. And I think this is when you see God work through this, which I've had, which I've, which I've had the pleasure of seeing so many times. I think that's when we'll be like, "Damn, I want to be part of that church." And sorry if that, that offends you for saying that, but that's how I feel. Damn, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of what God, what God's doing. I want to be where God is. You know, when you look at Sydney today, oh, and I shouldn't say this, but I'm just going to say this because you know, when you look at Sydney today, sometimes it's hard to find where God is. You know what I'm talking about? I want, God, I, want, I want this place to be a place where God is. And I want you to be, to be like, damn, I want to be a part of that. I want to be part of what God's doing. And I want to give my life to that because that's what God wants. And that's it. All right. So to be clear, we will first and foremost be a place of worship. That's our ultimate calling. Church exists for the glory of God and the worship of Christ. But the organization of the church will be a place of training and equipping we will build disciples through our meetings and programs, through our ministries and our events, and especially through leadership. That's why, that's why I will always invite people to take the next step in their faith. I will always invite you to be a volunteer, a teacher, a leader, an overseer. But you have to know this. When, I, when you get the call from me or one of my leaders asking you to take that next step, it is not because we need you. And it's not because God needs you. But it is because we see something in you that God is doing. That we believe if you take that step, that God's going to use you powerfully, not only so that you can experience God, but so that others in our ministry can be loved, so that we as a church can truly experience and attain the fullness of the measure of Christ, which is what we want. And we believe that you're here for a reason. And we believe that God wants to use you to be that blessing. That's why we invite you to take that step. And if you take that step, well, it'll be bad. It'll be hard. It won't be bad. It'll be great. You know, it's going to be hard because the way of Christ is what? Carrying your cross. That's not a pretty thing. That's an ugly thing. That means death, suffering. That's the way. And we're going to invite you into that. But that's the only pathway to true eternal joy, hope, and satisfaction 
in this life. Why? Because that's what you were created for. That's what you were designed for. That's the blueprint. And even though it looks bad, you'll realize that this is the only true way to live. Because that's the design. And we are constantly inviting you to take steps into that, what you were created for. And that's why we invite you to take leadership, right? If you, you, know, you don't have to. If we ever ask you to take a step, you don't have to say yes. It's okay. But I truly believe if you don't take that step, you're, you're actually missing out, right? But it's okay. You know, maybe in the next year, or maybe the year after that, it's okay. But if you do, and if we do our job right, then it'll be a very challenging but eternally fulfilling journey. But to do that, two things must fundamentally change. And if I didn't make this clear already, these two things have to change. Number one, you need to make your life about God's glory alone. If you don't, first and foremost, make your life about God's glory alone, none of this stuff's going to work in your life. Oh, man, you know, I served church for like seven years, but I don't see my heart change. Oh, man, I gave myself completely to that ministry, but nothing changed in my heart. Why do I feel farther away from God? You know, oh man, I gave myself completely to do this and that and A, B, and C and X, Y, and Z for the church, da, 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 but nothing's better or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And maybe the reason why is because you never, first and foremost, the first thing didn't happen. You didn't make your life about God, but it was all about you. You see? The thing that you should complain about is, man, I did all that. I served X, Y, and Z, A, B, and C for seven years, but I really wonder if God got more glory. Do you see how the difference, you see? And I love it because even though I didn't see any fruit in my eyes, I know that he received such worship from my heart every week and from the people I ministered to. Do you see? God focused. His glory focused. That's got to fundamentally change first. You know? So I want you to do that. Secondly, I want, to see, I want you to see yourself as a minister in the faith, not a baby. Okay, so I want, you to, I want you to approach your faith seriously and I want you to approach church seriously wanting to be like Jesus so that you can serve and become a minister. Okay? If you just want to attend and enjoy, uh, I don't know, hopefully, I don't want to say it like this, but it sounds bad, but hopefully you'll get frustrated because everyone else is growing, everyone else is moving, everyone else is being challenged, everyone else is experiencing God and our, you know, be a part of it. Oh, okay. My faith in my life is about God's glory alone. My family, my career is about God's glory alone. And of course, church is about God's glory alone. Let's make everything about God's glory alone. So, you know, there's, there's a few more lists I want to give you. I know it's very intimidating. You probably hated that I just said that, but I'm going to give it to you. How do we actually equip people for ministry? What are the nuts and bolts of how are you going to do that for us? And I want to share that with you. I believe it's the job of the church to equip leaders with practical skills, with spiritual skills, and with spiritual and practical knowledge. We will continually challenge people into godly character and to uphold the grace of God as one of our highest values. As an organization of the church, we will operate in a way that always tries to reveal the holy character of God. We will do things with integrity, honesty, transparency, grace, wisdom, and love. So here is the plan. If you decide to join FLM, this is what I want for you. Here we go. There's... Six points, okay? Number one, I want every single person to be involved in a CG, okay? Or I put discipleship, CG. Every, and that's our, you know, discipleship starts by joining a CG. Every single member, I want every single, I want 100% on this one. 100% of our people need to be involved in CG. Why? Because it is in CG that you will be taught, trained. You'll learn to love others and care for others in a real way, 
And that's the whole goal, to be a true community, right? To be a community that loves God and loves each other together. Um, I want all CG members to be involved in discipleship. And what I mean by that is I want you in your CGs or inside or out to be purposefully either being trained or mentored by somebody or you're spending your time training and mentoring another so that they can grow in Christ. This is what I want for every one of you. So if you're involved with the CG, the question I'm going to ask you is, hey, who's discipling you or who are you discipling? That's my next question. Because discipleship is what we're all about. That's the vision. Every member of our church needs to volunteer for a ministry. Once you volunteer for a ministry, whether it's like for now, it's like welcoming, media, all these things. This is where we start training you in the principles of following after Christ. Okay? This is where the equipping and the training all comes in. And this is what, what we'll start doing. We'll start teaching you that kind of stuff as you serve in ministry. And we believe, once again, that as you, when you volunteer for a ministry, God will use you powerfully to be a blessing to others. Everyone in ministry number four will be invited into leadership. Okay, So when we see that you're in ministry, that you want to serve, that God's doing something through you, we're going to invite you into leadership. And this is where it gets challenging because when you get invited into leadership, this is when we'll, te- we'll, we'll take a deeper dive into what it means to be a servant of Christ what it means to truly give yourself as a minister and to be used by God. We're going to teach you what it means to really follow the narrow road, you know, and to carry your cross and to really serve others and to be used powerfully in that way. Not so much because, and the reason why is because not only was this what you were called to do, but you'll see how awesome Christ is when you see God transform lives. I thought it was awesome getting saved and loving God, but the moment I became a minister and a servant of Christ and I sacrificed my whole life to see other people get in love with God, this is greater And the reason why it's greater is not because I get anything more satisfaction out of it. This is greater because I realize I'm a part of something that God always wanted to do ever since the beginning of time, and that was to be a sacrificial servant for the glory of God. There is nothing like that in this world. It's one thing to get saved and to to meet Jesus, but it's another thing to be a part of the plan. And we're going to invite you to be a part of the plan. People in leadership number five, uh, we want people in leadership who are trained now to start being trained, start training others and equipping others, okay? Wouldn't that be amazing if one day you became a trainer of all CG leaders or things like that? That would be amazing. You guys can equip other people. All members will eventually become the teachers, the preachers, the trainers, and the overseers of our ministry. And if you understand this correct, my personal goal as your pastor is to make my role superfluous. Hopefully one day it'll come to a point where you don't need me anymore. And I cannot wait for the day that the leadership approaches me and says, hey, Eddie, I think we, we've done all this, so you're fired. <laughs> you know? That's my dream. And that's it. You know, because I think this is what the church is all about. Why? Because all of us are called to be shepherds. All of us are called to be ministers and it's my job to make sure you become a full-fledged minister. Exodus 19.5.6 says, Now if you obey me fully and keep my commandment, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me what? A kingdom of priests. That's you. Holy nation. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. A holy nation. Right? 
You know, priests had only one function, and that was to bring people to God. And if we are called to be a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood, then the moment that we are all functioning to bring each other to God so that he could be glorified with our lives, that's when we are fulfilling the mission of God, and that is when I can be made redundant. This is my personal goal. And my dream of dreams is to get fired as a result of this. Do you guys see this? This is what I want, personally. In God's eyes, we are to be ministers to each other and to the world, and that's what I want. Once again, I don't have a vision for 2021, but here are my organizational goals for 2021, and I'll share this, and 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 I'm done, I swear. Number one, this is what I want to do. I want to create sustainable and and a growing CG system. Okay, this is what I want to do. We need to create a sustainable and growing CG system. Secondly, I want to impart my ecclesiological DNA to our leaders. Ecclesia is just a fancy word for church, church philosophy. Okay, I want, to just imp- I want everyone to operate like this. Number three, I want to develop a system for newcomers to become members. Okay, if someone walks through the door, we need to make them members. We need to create a discipleship pathway, number four, for members to now become ministers. And five, we need to develop our children's ministry so that more families can be received. I really want families to come back to church. Number six, we're going to center our people on Christ and the gospel. And seven, we're going to worship like there's no tomorrow because it's all about God. I know I threw so much at you today. It's always on the YouTube live stream. You can always go back and review it. I'll go back to preaching really, really soon. But I hope you're convinced that not only what are we what we're trying to do, not only is it biblical, but it's absolutely needed in the church today. And I hope that you are excited to see all this come to fruition. What will it take? It will take three things: prayer, obedience, and commitment. That's what I need from you. I need prayer obedience to his commands and commitment to this plan if we have that oh man i don't see how we can go wrong and so let's be true followers of christ together let's be a true church together let's pray i'm not going to throw out a challenge today i'm just going to pray for us but please pray for this throughout the week Father, we thank you so much for this plan. We thank you, Father, for the ways that you created the church. We thank you, God, that we can be a part of your church, your bride that you love so much. And it is your bride that you want to see live holy and live completely for you. And God, that's who we want to be. Father, we know that there's some stuff that we've experienced in the past that probably weren't, wasn't that great. Lord, help us to forgive all those people in the past. Help us, God, to heal us, Father, from all the hurts that we may have received, the misunderstandings that we may have experienced. But Lord, through your word today, God, we pray, change our hearts, change our mindsets towards church so that we could live our whole lives for your glory and nothing else. Our lives, our family, our job, our careers, everything for your glory and nothing else our church for your glory and nothing else. And God, we pray. I pray for every member in this room that you'll use them powerfully to become a great minister for your glory. Help us to become a church of ministers that will transform the world for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray.